We are joined by the best in the business, and I literally mean that. Nobody has had as much success as Andrew Friedman has had in his career with the Tampa Bay Rays and even more now with the Los Angeles Dodgers, the NLS champs again. Andrew, thanks a lot for the time. Thanks for coming by. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. The one thing I just learned in that lead-in is I may need you to be my agent. Yeah, that's that right. Good. I appreciate that. I mean, you are a guy that doesn't look for the attention, but in a city like Los Angeles, you have found a way to just stay in the background and let this team shine that you have put together. Now for the third full season, another 100-win team. Are you able to absorb all this? You know, in the last couple of days, I've seen some of the tweets and stuff, putting things in context, and it's kind of mind-blowing. Um, but we're so mired in what we do and looking forward that I really haven't had the chance to get off the hamster wheel and look back. Um, but what really drives us and motivates us is we hope that when we look back five, you know, 10 years, 15 years from now, that this is you know, the golden age of Dodger baseball. That's what motivates us, and that's saying a lot. Obviously, a very storied franchise, and that's what drives us. feel like that's what our fans deserve, um, and that's what we're motivated by. Honestly, I know you're in it, but I'm, I'm in it, but uh, it's my job to put it into context. We already are in unprecedented times when it comes to Dodger baseball, not only in Los Angeles, but in Brooklyn, there has never been a decade of this much sustained success in Dodger history. So I know you're looking for the World Series again this year, but I think we're already in the middle of this uh, golden age of Dodger baseball. Yeah, and, you know, the, there's a lot of debate about this, and, you know, we break it down very simply. Our regular season goal is to win the division, mm -hmm. which then puts us in the best position to accomplish our ultimate goal, which is to win a World Series. If we get to sit out the first round, if we get to host uh, each round at our park with the home field advantage that we have, it increases our chances. So everything for us is about putting us in the best position to win a championship. And ultimately, that's how our fans measure, measure success. And I love that about them. They're passionate, and that's what they want. They want more flags up there, yeah, um, and that's what motivates us as well. Now, I think you know people asked uh, after 2018 if we viewed it as a failure. I can't view losing in the World Series as a failure, or what I'm doing doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I remember in 2016, I asked you as some of your players were starting to get closer to free agency and some of them were starting to age and maybe on the backside of their careers i remember asking you this whether or not you believed in windows closing and you said no there's never a window that closes and you've proved yourself right because it never seems like the window closes you know you look at large revenue teams over the last 20 25 years and almost all of them have driven off the side of a cliff yeah and taken years and years to build back and it's why we try to navigate that really fine line of doing everything we can to win in this current year while maintaining a strong outlook into the future. And you could argue that our next four or five years are set up better than what they were four or five years ago. And so that's what we're looking to continue to be able to do is not just be proud and vested in our current roster, but also be able to say to fans, 
hey, wait a couple years also, and we're going to be able to inject some really talented players around this core. And they start to make connections with those players. And, yeah. You know, that's kind of the virtuous cycle um, that being a fan is and having a connection to your team. And uh, we've got some really special guys coming as well. Yeah, you're right. Over the years, fans have gotten emotionally attached to certain players that have had and helped this team have a lot of success. How do you detach yourself? Because you're unique. You're in that clubhouse often. You form relationships and trust with players. How do you separate yourself from that emotional attachment? It's hard um, because it's natural. And, you know, the biggest thing for us is to communicate and be honest. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't like having the conversation in that moment, if they don't like what they're hearing, our bet is that when they look back or a month later, six months later, a year later, that – a, they feel like they were treated with respect and communicated with and not lied to. Mm-hmm. And I also think that spreads around the league. I mean, ultimately, we want to be a destination spot. We want to be the place where our own free agents don't want to leave. And the other 29 teams, those players are yearning to come here. Like, that's the ultimate dream. And that's how you can win multiple championships. And so I think it is about clicking on all cylinders, which is hard. Mm-hmm. And our reputation, our connection and appreciation and respect for the players, I think is really important. Andrew, it's one thing to say it, but now you you have your actions to back that up. You've been doing this for a while now in Los Angeles, and everything that you just said, you have done. There are no sour grapes from players that have moved on. In fact, it feels like they still have that emotional attachment to you. I remember in Chicago, Yasmani Grandal wanted to talk to you, and you still have that connection with players that you drafted in Tampa Bay and guys that have come through here with the Dodgers. Yeah, again, I think uh, just having an organization where there's that transparency, I think the most dangerous thing in the world is the game of assumptions. Mm -hmm. And when you're not filling the gaps with honest conversation, assumptions are natural. And assumptions can take you down all kinds of rabbit holes that – may be true but may not and then they become fact and it starts to spread like wildfire in the clubhouse and that's where it can kind of take on a life of its own and so getting in front of that and doing everything we can to prevent that helps us maintain a really strong culture i'm going to prove this to the people it's one thing to talk to people that work for you now or play for you now because obviously they want to curry favor with you but i'm going to share with you what Blake Snell shared with us when I interviewed him a couple of weeks here, a, a couple of weeks ago here at Dodger Stadium. Andrew, in case you don't know, drafted Blake Snell for the Tampa Bay Rays. Here's what the Padres left-hander had to say about this guy, Andrew Friedman. You mentioned Andrew Friedman. He did draft you in Tampa Bay. And since his time with the Dodgers, I have never seen a GM have the type of relationship he has with players. What's that about, and do you feel like that's what sets him apart? Yeah, that's definitely what – I mean, he's just real. He talks to the guys. He's he's open. Even in Tampa, like I wasn't in the big leagues. He would talk to me a little bit. But then when I talked to the guys that were older that were in the big leagues, they all loved him. They all said, like, yeah, like he's a normal guy. He talks to you. He tells you the truth. And, and that's probably why he's so good here because, I mean, he talks to people. He tells them the truth and, and lets them feel appreciated and, and welcomed and – that allows them to play better, and it's got to be hard for anyone to play here, you know, with all these, with all the fans, all the pressure uh, for guys that aren't used to it. And I bet, you know, he makes them feel a little bit more comfortable coming here. So, 
uh, I got nothing but love for Andrew. So I'm not surprised that L.A. is good. I'm not surprised that he's just getting better and better here. None of that surprises me. That's my guy Snellzilla, Andrew. And you just said everything, and he repeated everything that you strive for. You have done it. He did. That was really nice to hear. And he touched on something that I think is important beyond communicating and being honest, which I think is the right thing to do, even more than that or equal to that, is the frame of mind it helps put people in. What these guys are doing on this field is incredibly difficult. The best players in the world competing against each other, and it's really hard to do what they do. And so doubt or you know, guys who start to lack confidence or guys who are overconfident and think they can do certain things that they don't excel at. All of those things contribute to consistency and getting the most out of players. And so I think that honest communication is, you know, dependent on what that specific player needs. Because some it's the same version of truth, but sometimes it's to show them just how dominant something mm-hmm. is. Sometimes it's to put in context and perspective just how good what they're doing and what they're capable of and hey here are also some challenge spots some things that we'll bet on you to attack and get better at and so all of those conversations some of them aren't conversations that guys like to hear um, but ultimately we feel like it helps make them better which in turn helps make them more money but also we win more games Mm mm-hmm And when we win more games, the birds chirp louder, the sun's brighter, everything's better. (laughs) I'm curious, from your standpoint, being in a small market in Tampa Bay and now in this big market, the Dodgers, and you've just made them enormous with the success you've had, did you view players or try to communicate with them differently or identify players that are more equipped to play on this stage compared to playing at the Trop? (laughs) Yeah, it's a good question. Um... I mean, I think my communication style is the same. Um, But, yeah, I think we try to look and make bets on whether we think guys can handle this market. There are a lot of expectations here, which some people have the perspective of that's a great thing because that means there's passion and people who really care. Um, And some people can wilt from that. And it's hard to really know, but that's definitely a factor in our process and a bet that we are making in any kind of personnel move we make. Well, I would say you got the good mix of players right now because they have baseball's best record. What you saw today in the eighth inning, Andrew, when you see your players still fight after having the NL West, the best record in baseball, it's a day game for a doubleheader, still fighting in the eighth inning of essentially a game that's not going to mean much to you in October. I mean, from your standpoint, what does that eighth inning tell you? You nailed it. Uh, I think framing it that way shows just how resilient this group is. Um, I don't know that I've ever been around a team that wouldn't have been like, okay, this 12 yeah. o'clock game was a throwaway game. We were kicking the ball all over the place, not converting balls into outs. Left, you know, felt like 150 guys on base in yeah. scoring position. Just one of those games. And it would have been so easy to kind of fold tent take it back to the clubhouse, gear up for game two, uh, but just speaks volumes about the way these guys are wired, the way our leaders help lead this group, 
and how contagious it is. Andrew Friedman is with us. He's going to take your phone calls at 866-987-2570. We are live at Dodger Stadium in between games of this day-night doubleheader. The Dodgers come back with five runs in the eighth inning in game one to defeat the Arizona Diamondbacks. When we continue live from Dodger Stadium with the man, the best in the business when it comes to Major League Baseball, the Dodgers version of Jerry West. I told him that. He never scored a point or hit a home run, but when it comes to executives, nobody is better in baseball or has been better than Andrew Friedman. He will take your phone calls at 866-987-2570. David Vasse, Andrew Friedman, live from Dodger Stadium, right here on Dodgers Radio and 570 LA Sports. David Vasse live at Dodger Stadium in between games of this day-night doubleheader at Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers scored five runs in the eighth inning to come from behind and beat the Diamondbacks 6-5 to five in game one of this doubleheader. Game two coming up at 7-10. And between then, Dodger Talk taking your phone calls at 866-987-2570. And we are joined right now by the best in baseball as far as Major League executives go. That is the one and only Andrew Friedman, who now has 736 wins in charge of the Los Angeles Dodgers. You are on your way, Andrew, to do something that the 1942-1944 Cardinals have only done in baseball. Any idea what that might be? Um... 100 plus it's not peanuts not dodger dogs sold it's not okay. peanuts sold have something to do with 100 plus wins for three consecutive that's right seasons? 105 or more wins for three consecutive full seasons something i mean when you put all these things in context i mean you can i guess you gas can't house gang? yeah the gas house yeah gang? i guess so i don't yeah. even know anybody from the 44 cardinals wow Andrew Friedman. And by the way, you're not alone in this. You have really put together an infrastructure. It seems like that's what your players and your staff always talk about is, yes, you, but the people that you've hired and the infrastructure that you've put in place to help your players stay healthy and get better. Yeah, and that doesn't get talked about enough. There are so many people behind the scenes that are such an integral part of what we do. Obviously, the other 29 teams have noticed. We probably average 50 permission requests in offseason from other teams. Um, but it's so much bigger than any one person. It's the way it all comes together, the way everyone compliments each other, collaborates, isn't afraid to disagree, um, and everything is kind of geared towards how can we win more games either immediately or in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's what levers can we pull to make players better. And there are so many people kind of singing from the same song sheet. It doesn't mean we always agree, uh, but everyone is wired towards, you know, trying to accomplish the same thing. Even to the clubhouse staff, your clubhouse manager, Alex Torres. Best uh, in the business. Yeah? He's awesome. He's all right. He's a Raider fan, so that's why I like him. 866-987-2570. All right, I'll get Andrew Friedman fired up. Manny, in Gardena, you're our first Dodger fan to ask Andrew a question. Make it work here, Manny. What's up? Hey, it's an honor and a privilege to talk to the best GM of this millennium, not named Brian the Cashman or Sabian, Jeffrey Luno, that cheating. 
<laughs> grub doesn't count. Manny's one of our so, more uh, passionate callers. I just want to let you know, Andrew, that uh, I am a very, you know, I admire what you do. Like David has been saying, you know, you are the engine that drives this roster. I know you're a very humble guy and, you know, you want to spread the wealth. But I think all true baseball fans know, I mean, going back to your days in Tampa Bay, that uh, you are the architect extraordinaire of uh, baseball modern day. And, yeah, it was the Gas House Gang. And I think you found a Joe Ducky Medwick or a Dizzy Dean yourself here on this roster. But uh, what I want to know is... Uh, oh, you have a question? Los- yeah. Oh, okay. What I want to know is what, other than bringing Los Angeles along the way to championship in 2020, and anybody who says that there's an asterisk behind that can kiss my asterisk, uh, I want you to tell me what has been your greatest accomplishment once you've become the Dodger GM. And uh, thank you very much for everything you do, sir. Thank you, Manny. Uh, really appreciate it. I mean, obviously, winning the championship in 2020 uh, is an easy answer. Um, beyond that, there's so many different things that happen over the course of a day, a week, a month, a year. Um, you know, watching Gavin Lux come up, you know, not all really talented players come up and immediately hit the ground running. Some hit the ground running and then stub their toe. Some hit the ground running and keep going. Some struggle out of the gate. And just the number of people involved, plus him, like watching him emerge through that and become the player he has is extremely rewarding. That kind of popped up in my head. Um, But I I think the easy kind of big picture answer is the group that we have, like the group that works together every day. You know, it's hard on all of our families and the travel and the late nights, but having a really connected group that is so much of where I get my satisfaction and I think having the group that we have even admit amid some of the turnover um, is the thing that I'm most proud of and is probably you know one of the things that's most important to me for me to derive the satisfaction um, because outside of that obviously it's winning a championship but how you feel day to day how motivated how energized you are to get after it and keep doing it and you know, last year getting knocked down in the CS and dusting ourselves off and having the winner to try to do everything we can to get back. It's hard. Um, hate losing. Uh, but being energized by the people you work with is a huge part of it for me. Andrew, Alex Anthopoulos, a couple of years with you in your front office, I answered that he, he was asked a question, what did he learn the most from you? And the answer has resonated with me. And again, your actions speak louder than your words. He said that if Andrew believes that a player can get just 1% better, he is going to be patient with that player. I remember in 2017, you sent Jock Peterson down to the minor leagues when everybody wanted you to just let him go and discard Jock Peterson. You sent him down to the minor leagues. You call him back, and he's known now as Jocktober after that big playoff run. And then you talk about Gavin Lux when a lot of people thought maybe his defensive shortcomings were not going to be good enough for your team. You stuck with him, and he's gotten better. Where does that discipline patience come from? 
Uh, I guess you could say cockeyed optimist. <laughs> um, I liked. It's a challenge to me. It's something that is really re- rewarding of trying to really put my finger on the true talent level of each player. There's a lot of noise day to day, week to week, month to month, even season to season of player performance. But it's really identifying the true talent level of the player, what they do well, how that compares to other players. And when they're not reaching it, that's our job to help them unlock it. Now, some guys don't have the work ethic to do it. Mm-hmm. doesn't work very well here if that's their mindset. Um, and so it's about the right people, both in terms of our coaches, our performance staff, the players' mindset, and doing everything we can to put them in the best position to succeed. That's the voice of Andrew Friedman, Dodgers president of baseball operations. Let's go out to Ventura. Bruce, you're on Dodger Talk with Andrew Friedman. What's your question, Bruce? Hi, Andrew. Congratulations on what a great run it's been. I've been a Dodger fan since uh, the call team days with my dad, and this year has been magical. I think the best lever you pulled this year was Freddie Freeman. His leadership uh, ever since that Atlanta series in Atlanta, he's just been magical for the Dodgers. And I think he's taken pressure off of Kirsch and inspired Mookie. He's been amazing. So congratulations on getting Freddie to the Dodgers. But that's not my question. I'm a big Thompson fan. I'm a big Trace fan. Clay's my favorite basketball player. I'm really enjoying seeing uh, Trace having a great year with the Dodgers. Bob Nightingale had a great article today on Trace. My question is, what's the future of Trace with, uh, with the Dodgers? What do you see for Trace Thompson? I don't know. i got to be honest. I love Trace. Um, when we won the division last week, seeing how overcome with emotion he was was incredibly touching. I'll be honest. When we got him, it was when Mookie broke his rib and you know, we went through looking for right-handed bats, and obviously he was having success in AAA, and we noticed some swing things that had changed. But if you would have asked me at that time, I would not have thought that it was going to be a long-term solution. Um, so the credit goes to him and couldn't happen to a better guy. I love when good things happen to good people. Um, he has elevated his game to a whole new level. And I think that comes some with confidence and you know how much he loves being here. Um, just the at-bat quality, the way he's playing defense, there's another gear in there that we didn't even see in, you know, in, in his first stint here, even when he was doing really well. This is a different level, um, and he's earned the opportunity to be here and, and carved out some playing time and couldn't be happier that he's done that. When you look out to October and you look at pitching matchups, Trace has done really well against right-handed pitching. I would assume you acquired him to do really well against left-handed pitching. How does that uh, fit in with your plans when you have a player like Trace, as they call reverse split sky, and you have Gallo, who you envision doing a lot of damage against right-handed pitching as well? Yeah, and in the minor leagues this year, Trace was way better against left than right. So Wow. There's, you know, it, it's hard in any kind of small sample to draw too firm of a conclusion. Uh, he's just talented. And right now he's looking over the baseball extremely well and punishing mistakes. And on top of that, the caliber of defense he's playing. So he's put himself in position to earn some playing time exactly how, when. I'm not sure yet. We still have a couple of weeks to 
get through it, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of heated debates with our coaches and front office staff just kind of debating different angles. You're listening to KLAC Los Angeles, the home of the Dodgers, and that is the voice of Andrew Friedman, the Dodgers president of baseball operations. And Andrew, Dave Roberts has been your manager more than any other manager. You had Don Mattingly when you first started here. He's, Joe Madden a little longer. You didn't let me finish oh, sorry, in Los bad, Angeles with the Dodgers. Yes. We'll get to Joe Madden in a second, but Dave Roberts you obviously have had to have a really good working relationship with him and any successful marriage has to have compromise. So how have both of you been able to compromise with each other for the greater good of this sustained success? First off, I think it's appreciating that our interests are perfectly aligned. It's to go out and win as many games as we can, win as many championships as we can. And so there's definitely debate and argument, but I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't want someone being a yes man to my ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't want someone who just wants to fight against and being a contrarian on everything either. I want honest feedback and thoughts, and I'm going to give my honest feedback and thoughts. I want to debate it. I think it's important to be a really good listener and hear a point and say, you know what? I hadn't thought about it that way. Totally agree. Uh, and most times we can get to... Uh, a resolution and sometimes we can't and it's just an agree to disagree and usually those are the things that are more in the middle that are whatever 45 to 55 percent type decisions or thoughts about a guy the extremes when something is you know 80 20 we're pretty united and if not one of us can get the other one there pretty easily <laughs> it's more of the stuff in the middle and that's what makes the world go around Andrew Friedman is our guest. By the way, he, uh, he jumped me about Joe Madden, which is a great segue because Joe Madden was on the Athletic Starkville podcast, and he was on for an hour, Andrew. We won't get to everything that he touched upon, but he did take time to single you out as probably the best guy he's ever worked with and what separates you from all these other copycats around Major League Baseball. I'll give you an example, Andrew Friedman. Why are the Dodgers so good? And why, have they, why do they continue to be so good? He's a great scout. I used to tell him that all the time. Andrew is a really good scout. And it's not that their analytics are any better when the game begins. It's because their players are better when the game begins. And if somebody gets injured, all of a sudden he'll bring somebody up with a name you've never heard about before. And this guy plays really well. So I think that's everybody, everybody gets caught up in this, this numerical... Uh, method of playing it's not it's not it's all the same if that's the case why isn't pittsburgh uh, vying for first place right now they got a great analytical department i know all these guys so it's it's really a bill of goods in a lot of ways um i i it's 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 acquisition who am i gonna who am i gonna buy and why and do i uncover um carlos pena before he goes off in his 46 home run or the time andrew called me on the phone it says what do you think about Fernando Rodney? Eh, he says, we think he's going to have a great year this year. Acquisitions. Um, that's the stuff that really where this stuff shines. And that's why the Dodgers are so good. And that's why Andrew's so good. And that was Joe Madden on the Athletic Podcast speaking about this man, the best in the business, Andrew Friedman. When you hear that from Joe Madden, who has a lot of gripes these days to single you out and compliment you as being a great eye for talent. How does that resonate with you 
again, very nice to hear. Um, this is kind of tripped through my life uh, <laughs> on this, but uh, I have a passion for understanding players, understanding what makes people tick, um, of how to tap into helping each guy be the best version of themselves, and then how that comes together for us to win more games. Um, and so it's a passion, and I'm glad that the thing I'm passionate about, Joe thinks I'm good at. Um, but it is definitely a passion of mine. I mean, to hear guys like Blake Snell, Joe Madden, I mean, the list can go on and on. When you first started, they tried to put you in a bucket, an analytic bucket. This You didn't understand baseball, which is farther from the truth than anybody can imagine. To hear that validation at this point in time of your career, I hate to break it to you, but you're considered a baseball guy. I mean, you are a baseball lifer now. It's been a long time. Uh, you know, it's funny. I as many times as people would listen to me, I thought people who were at either extreme were wrong. And for me, information is king, and I want any and all of it. And then it's incumbent upon us to synthesize it and figure out the things that matter, the things that have signal for how things will play out, and understanding the ability and understanding how it fits onto a roster and making sure we have the requisite depth for things that come up and all the various things, but I think having a feel for scouting, a feel for analytics, which helps kind of shine a fog light sometimes mm -hmm. on evaluations that you can say, hey, this is in loggerheads with that. Let's dig in deeper. And we have an unbelievable quant staff and baseball systems and information and uh, just the way they all work together to really dive in. And, you know, during the trade deadline, We'll have target players that we're looking at, and they'll pump out 10 to 15-page documents on each guy, kind of going through everything soup to nuts that then can prompt follow-up questions and discussion and things that we get into. And, again, for me, it's being in the middle, and it's appreciating and factoring in all information. Well, it's been working for the Dodgers and Andrew Friedman, that's for sure. Let's take a couple of more phone calls before Andrew has to leave us and go back downstairs and get ready for a game. There is another game coming up at 7:10. Game two of this doubleheader between the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. Long Beach, Ryan, you're on with Andrew Friedman. What's your question, Ryan? Hey, guys. Andrew, such an honor to speak to you. I feel like we as Dodger fans have hit the jackpot the last few years here. The team is just Thank you, Ryan. constantly getting better. And my question for you is, year after year, how do you find the motivation to step the bar up? I feel like you bring someone like a Max Scherzer on or, or the, the Freddie Freeman's like, what's the next thing you're going to do? Because I feel like every time I open my eyes, you and the front office of the Dodgers have done something else that's so much more incredible than the last thing I've seen. So how do you keep that motivation and how do you keep making such great changes and decisions year after year? Well, I think a lot of it comes back to our scouting and player development. If we didn't have the talent base that we have in the minor leagues, we're in no position to make any of those moves. So I think that's critical. Uh, owner support is as good as it gets. And you take that combination and, you know, it opens up for a lot of different possibilities and allows for us to be a little bit more aggressive at certain times. And there's times to step back and there's times to push forward, um, and it's kind of a subjective cadence uh, of what's going on. But, you know, we made a big bet and traded some really talented players last year for Max and Trey because we really believed in that team and felt like we had a real legitimate chance 
to win a World Series. And then knowing that Corey Seager is represented by Scott Boris, having that hedge in place for if Corey left to help our 2022 team, you know, added value to that. And so, you know, each year is so unique and different and has a different arc and storyline that I love it. And I don't know if I have ADD, but I couldn't do the same thing over and over and over. And the fact that every day is so different, every year is so different, uh, keeps that motivation. And the other thing is 50,000 people here every night. That is absolutely a home field advantage, and the passion that they have. You know, I remember I told a story in 2015, my first opening day here, sitting in the suite upstairs with a bunch of guys, and Jimmy Rollins hits a big three-run home run in the eighth inning. 50,000 people erupt. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm happy, and 50,000 people are happy. Because I was used to, with the Rays, 50,000 people were happy. I was not happy. And so it was the first time where those things overlapped. And, you know, it's something that's not lost on me. I, well, I hope I never lose the appreciation for that. It is incredible. And so for us doing everything we can to reward that as custodians of this incredible storied franchise, is really important to us. No doubt, since Guggenheim has taken over, this is a Dodger town once again. One more phone call for Andrew Friedman. El Segundo, Paul, you're our final caller for Andrew Friedman. What's your question? Uh, question is, uh, what the ball club is thinking about doing during the uh, five days off? Like, what are you looking for? What's your insight on, like, simulation games? How are you guys going to approach that? Because it's got to kind of suck for the boys being off that long, you know, it's nothing. And then real quick also, what's the possibility of saving Julio to game three on the road and letting Kirsch and some of the other guys be more comfortable uh, at home, game one and two? Thanks. I'll answer that for Andrew. Julio starting game one. <laughs> Paul, how dare you even bring that up? Um, all right, I will address the uh, what we plan to do. You know, in years past, we've had four days off, ended the season on a Sunday, started on a Friday, and we had that pretty well dialed in. This extra day does add an interesting wrinkle that isn't all good. And so for us, we have to figure out a way to keep our guys sharp, maintain the reps. And so, uh, you know, talking to a bunch of our coaches and with Doc and our performance guys and trainers, you know, the current thought is to run a number of sim games. We're going to have starting pitchers who are going to need to throw, you know, coming back later in a series. And relievers, depending on the workload down the stretch, may need to get some innings. Our hitters are going to need to log some at-bats. So my guess is we'll run, you know, sim games Friday, Saturday, Sunday that kind of matches what the team that we're facing is doing. Obviously, it won't be as long certainly won't be as stressful which we hope is the competitive yeah. advantage and allows us to line everything up going into tuesday i guess it's a difference from last year because so many of your players you said it dave said it the race down to the final day of the regular season plus the five game nlds the and the wild card game took its toll mentally emotionally and physically on you so i would imagine this puts you in a way better spot than any of those other teams no doubt. I think it is huge. And, you know, last year the, you know, kind of underappreciated aspect was losing Muncie in the fourth inning of the last game of the year. 
I think we had depth and were well set up for anything that could happen except for at first base. And for it to happen then and take that bat out of the middle of our lineup, coupled with what we had to go through, I think definitely contributed. But at the end of the day, you know, we didn't get it done, and I think that's more fuel for us this year. Before I let you go, the wins are going to be there at the end of the regular season. People are already starting the conversation that if you do get to 110-plus wins and also win the World Series, this has got to be considered one of the greatest teams in baseball history. Would you tend to agree with that and what the makings are? I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but what you've put together here, it's comparable to what the Yankees had in the 90s. Yeah, I hope we're having that conversation, which means we won the World Series. Um, I don't necessarily have the perspective. I'm so mired in it. Uh, I really hope we're having that conversation, and I think it would be incredibly cool for our players and coaches for that to be something when we win the World Series this year and we come back and do a reunion 20 years from now and just having that. And you're still the president of baseball operations in 20 years? I like it. I'm in. All right, good. I got you. Let, sign on the dotted line, 20 more years. <laughs> Thanks a lot for stopping by. I know you got a busy day. Appreciate you reaching out to the fans and to me, and thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it. Yeah, I got to see how the sausage is made. Yeah, that's right. I have more perspective now, and, you know, when I, uh, when I troll and lawyer <laughs> you on my way home sometimes, I'm just glad we pulled this game out. Sometimes I hear some of the venom that can come out after we lose a game. Yeah. And in the eighth inning today, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to go up after a loss. I don't think so. I think at this point in time in the season, I don't think many people have a lot to complain about these days. More just a compliment to their passion. Yes, exactly. Thanks, Andrew. Absolutely. Thank you.